This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the show, some new details of what was taken during the Mar-a-Lago raid. And surprise, 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 it doesn't seem like it was that much tied to classified documents. The percentage is about 1% of the 11,000 documents that were seized in the raid. You heard it right, 11,000 documents. And about 1% had a potential of being marked classified. And even in the judge's decision, they basically came out and said, well, guess what? Definitely President Biden opened the door to this by waiving executive privilege. And we're going to get to that later on in the hour because, boy, are there a lot of new stunning details on this case, especially with word of a special master now being assigned And in the meantime, the judge who made the decision on the special master case, she is now taking tons of heat. A lot of Democrats are coming after her and saying that she shouldn't be on the case. She's not allowed to be there. They're saying that she's a Trump appointee, which she is. But guess what? The judge who made the ruling on the warrant, my goodness, that guy had to recuse himself because of a conflict of interest. And that guy tweeted out, Nasty comments about President Trump at one point. I don't even know why he was even on the initial case for the raid. But here is Jonathan Turley talking about the attacks on the judge who made that decision, granting an independent party to look at the documents, which I think was the right decision. The attacks on this judge are really astounding. I mean, it, uh, it is part and parcel of what we've seen for the last six years. But this judge is taking a modest step, in my view, to reassure the public, uh, to address these constitutional questions. The fact is that the DOJ was unlikely to issue any indictment before the midterm elections in 60 days. This does not prevent them from continuing their investigation. They can't use the documents, but they can interview witnesses as to what was known was that the, what the contents of these boxes, uh, whether there was efforts to move any contents, whether there was any efforts to conceal. They can continue those lines of, of questioning with witnesses, which go to the elements of crimes like obstruction. And they will continue clearly with their investigation. But right now, clearly, there are so many issues on the table. And the fact that people are going after the integrity of the judge just because you didn't like the decision. And it also looks like, apparently, Department of Justice, they are potentially gearing up what looks like a appeal of this because this could go back and forth and back and forth just on the issue of special master alone. 
And that would certainly take us well beyond the midterms. Meantime, crime is a huge issue across this country. I believe it's one of the biggest issues on the midterm ballot. Uh, President Biden today continuing his bashing MAGA tour. Um, But the numbers are staggering. For example, in New York City, crime has increased 26% since August 2022 from August 2021 in almost virtually every category. Some of the biggest ones, robbery, burglary, grand larceny, auto thefts, the list goes on and on and on. And I firmly believe that law and order is definitely on the ballot given everything that people are talking about and concerned about with safety. We're going to talk about that also later on in the show because it seems like President Biden wants to make this a sole referendum on President Trump. And yet, if you look at what's going on between economy and crime, there are so many huge, huge issues. But first, everybody, some breaking news on the story coming out of Memphis that everybody around the country is talking about. Breaking news. And in just a moment here on the Rita Cosby Show, we will be talking with nationally syndicated radio host, also best-selling author Todd Starnes, to give us the latest after this heartbreaking discovery where police in Memphis just a few hours ago announced the discovery that the body of Eliza Fletcher, a beloved Memphis teacher, had been located. Take a listen to the press conference. Yesterday evening... September 5th, at approximately 5.07 p.m., the Memphis Police Department and other law enforcement partners discovered the remains of a body, a human body, in the rear of a vacant duplex apartment at the 1600 block of Victor Street. At that time, it was believed the unidentified body could possibly be the remains of kidnapping victim Eliza Fletcher. Further forensic investigation by the MPD traffic unit positively identified the body was, in fact, Eliza Fletcher. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show is a best-selling author, also syndicated radio host, a host also and owner of the mighty 990 KWAM, which is an awesome station there right in the heart of Memphis, to talk about this very sad case is my dear friend Todd Starnes. Todd, great to have you here on the show. Thanks, Rita. And of course, we're also proud to be your flagship radio station in the Mid-South. So uh, we're honored to carry your show live uh, here in Memphis and all over this region. Thank you so much. And Todd, I always love it when I get a call from a listener there of the mighty 990. It has a huge smile on my face. You know, I love the South. Um, And I told you every time I talk to you, I'm jealous because I love Memphis. And that's why I think this case has just really been a gut punch, I think, to so many people who love beautiful Memphis. We love the South. Um, I went to school in the South. And this case, you just kind of were praying Um, that this girl would be found alive, that this teacher would be found alive. And yet today, a grim discovery not too far away from where the suspect was apparently, what, washing his vehicle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, This happened in the early morning hours of Friday. Uh, Eliza Fletcher, a beloved school teacher at St. Mary's Episcopal School, it's a school for girls, 
and uh, she was just a sweet person. Uh, she was married. She and her husband had two very young little boys, and she was a runner. She had qualified for the Boston Marathon. Um, typically, she would get up early. Of course, being a mom and a school teacher, there's not a lot of time for training. So she did that in the early morning hours uh, around the University of Memphis campus. And that's when uh, the suspect in this case um, was apparently stalking her and uh, pulled alongside. There was a fierce struggle. She fought, uh, but this guy was much larger than she was. He was um, able to um, he was able to subdue her, throw her into the car. And as we now know, after a four day search, um, they located her body not far from the suspect's apartment. And what do we know about this guy? Apparently he's got a rap sheet, right? Uh, Todd Strong said apparently he served time for kidnapping in another case. Yeah, this guy is a predator, an animal, and a monster. And it's appalling to so many Memphians that this guy was allowed to prowl the streets. Uh, It is sickening. Uh, This guy um, was uh, arrested more than 20 years ago for kidnapping a Memphis attorney on Beale Street, which is a very popular entertainment district. His name is Cleotha Abston. At the time, he was a teenager, 16 years old. He was sentenced to 24 years in prison. And Rita, if you're doing the math, people are saying, well, wait a second, why isn't this guy still in jail? He only had to serve 80% of his sentence. And so he was released about a year or so ago. And as a result of that, as a result of this man not serving his full sentence, which he should have for such a violent crime, he was allowed to go out there and in the early morning hours kidnap and kill Eliza Fletcher. And people are just enraged over this, and they're demanding answers. Uh, Here in the state of Tennessee, we're controlled by Republicans statewide, but Rita in Memphis, we are literally controlled by a city council made up of AOC progressives. They are radicals. They are anti-cop. We're about 700 officers shy of our full complement, and we are one of the most deadliest cities in America, more so percentage-wise than New York City. Rita, last year, this city, 1.3 million people in the metro area. We had nearly 400 murders. Wow. Wow. What are they attributed to? Is it the policies or or the, the revolving door? What's happening? Well, it's about to get worse. Uh, we've had, for the past 10 years, we've had the only Republican. And it, 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 well, I think you guys in New York City can, can sympathize with us. We can. The only, <laughs> the only Republican elected was the district attorney, and she was fierce. She was a fighter. But she lost her election in August. And now uh, we have a George Soros-style district attorney named Steve Mulroy, University of Memphis law professor, his first order of business he promised was, get this, bail reform, and he wants to raise the juvenile crime age to 25 years old. This is a a very dangerous, yes, ma'am, this is a very dangerous man, and people are freaking out about this. Uh, You've already got city council, one Republican city councilman is already calling for the death penalty But that's up to the district attorney in this instance, and we're not quite sure what he's going to do. Wow, that is astounding. And, of course, in New York City, Alvin Bragg, and you think about George Gascon in L.A., which, uh, you know, I mean, both of these cases. But to hear now that they might even raise the juvenile crime age to 25. Now, this guy, by the way, in this case with Eliza Fletcher, 
Um, here's a little bit about the charges announced, because there's been a whole bunch of controversy about that. Um, here's what they have against him so far. Cleotha Abstin has been charged by MPD homicide investigators with the following state charges. First degree murder, first degree murder and perpetration of kidnapping, especially aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence. In addition, Abstin has been charged with the following unrelated offenses. Identity theft, theft of property, and credit card fraud. You know, Todd, originally when they charged him, he had a $500,000 bond, basically. So all he'd have to post is one-tenth, $50,000. And my thought was, oh, God, let's pray that there's not some crazy person out there that's going to give this guy $50,000 so he could be out. Um, That was astounding to me. How could that be? Why did they have to, like, suddenly wait for now more to get lumped into it? It's shocking, Rita, and we're not getting many answers from law enforcement or the courts here. Again, keep in mind, these judges in the Memphis area are all elected, and now we have absolutely no Republicans in leadership positions here in the city of Memphis. Now, this is an important thing because race plays into everything that happens here in Memphis, and uh, it is – it's sad to say – But one of the things that really angered me, uh, here you had this horrible, horrible crime. Where were all of the ministers and the preachers? Uh, Whenever, you know, God forbid, a police officer cuts a a suspect's fingernail, there are marches in the street. There are protests. But there were no protests here. There were no marches here because this did not fit the narrative, the preconceived narrative. But the reality here is most of the crime in Memphis is black on black crime. And they try to portray the Republican district attorney as some sort of a racist because all she was doing was prosecuting black men predominantly who were committing the crimes. But what they failed to realize, Rita, is that the district attorney was, in fact, protecting and getting justice for predominantly black victims of crime. And it's pretty sickening, in my estimation, to use race. Uh, as a dividing tool, you know, as a son of the South, that's something that that really hits hard. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen here, Rita, but there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anguish because this was a beautiful soul. You know, we have video um, of, and it's circulating on social media, but it's on our website of her singing this little song to her students um, with her little dog. Um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine which is an old gospel song. And it's so heartbreaking to know that this woman, she should be alive. But because of the policies, because of the fact that this man did not serve his full sentence, a very violent individual, that she's gone. And she's we've got two young boys that are going to grow up without a mom here in Memphis. And also what I understand, this guy didn't even help uh, to guide them to her body whatsoever, too. So he has still said he didn't, you know, he's not talking, but he's not even helping authorities whatsoever. Rita, I got to tell you something, and and I I caused a little bit of controversy today here in Memphis because at at that time we still had no idea where she was because you're right, this guy refused to tell them. And quite frankly, um, in an instance like that, I say either let the police do what they need to do or let the family go in, turn off the cameras for about five minutes, and I guarantee you they would have they would have been able to get the information they needed. I mean, it is heinous 
and I'm sick and tired. And I, don't, I know you folks in New York City are going through this as well. I am sick and tired of the criminals being treated like they're victims in America. Yeah, it is. It It is just outrageous. And we're seeing it over and over again. These repeat offenders and these soft on crime DAs. And just like you said, it is outrageous. And of course, tonight, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Eliza Fletcher and her family. My goodness, you know, I can't even imagine how outraged and how shaken, of course, that beautiful community there in Memphis is. And just as you said, we need to get tough on these thugs who are part of the revolving door. And the fact that there are still DAs at this moment where crime is escalating. You talked about the 400 murders there, so many murders in New York, so many murders in L.A., Chicago, all these places. And for some reason, these soft on crime DAs think for some reason they have to rejuvenate the criminal justice system and think about the perpetrator versus the victim. It's outrageous. Um, Todd Starnes, thank you so much for being here. I'm from our great station that I love broadcasting on, the mighty 990 KWAM. Todd Starnes, uh, the great host there, owner and also national best-selling author, and most importantly to me, my friend, and uh, one of the greatest guys out there. Todd, thank you. And I just wish it was a happier story, but I'm glad that you are at least speaking uh, honestly and powerfully as you do every day there in Memphis. Thank you. Rita, thank you so much for having us on. and Be well, and we'd love to see you down here in Memphis one of these days. That's a deal. I can't wait. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you very much, Todd Starnes. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. Uh, Unbelievable when you hear about this monster, what he did to this beautiful teacher in Memphis. And the fact is, Todd was just saying that the DA there was talking about changing juvenile crime to age 25. Are you kidding me? It's bad enough when it's like 16, 17, 18, and they're thinking about moving it up a year or two or whatever. But to say 25, this is insanity. And this guy never should have been out on the streets. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, it is just when I hear the stories and hear what we were just talking about with Todd Starnes of the station there in Memphis, right where this case happened. It is just outrageous. And to me, I get so angry. This woman, 34-year-old Eliza Fletcher, a beloved teacher in Memphis who was abducted and clearly was fighting for her life, dragged into a vehicle as she was doing her morning jog. And now her body has been found. And we're finding out that the guy who's suspected of it all, lo and behold, a repeat offender, a guy who had kidnapped somebody before and got out basically before he served the full term. And now, originally, when this guy was arrested, 
he was eligible for a $50,000 basically bond. He could have posted bond if somebody had given him $50,000. The guy was indigent, so he wasn't able to post the bond. But thank goodness he's still behind bars. But somebody could have financially been able to get him out or he could have gotten the money from somewhere. This to me is so outrageous. And this is so indicative of our terrible justice system under these liberal-led DAs that mostly are paid by George Soros and funded by George Soros. Here we have a case in Memphis where this woman, by all accounts, should absolutely be alive. And yet this guy gets out before he serves his full term. He was accused and served time for kidnapping a guy. It was an attorney years ago. Um, And then almost as soon as he gets out, he now abducts and kills this woman and doesn't even lead authorities to where her body is. Authorities found her body. Again, it was about a mile from where he was washing his car. They also have his vehicle on videotape. There seems like there's a lot of evidence so far. Um, he has not, uh, you know, pled guilty or anything like that, says he's not guilty. He's not talking. Uh, but it sounds like they've got a lot of goods on this guy. And when you look at his rap sheet, it goes on and on and on. And it's in a community where the DA is thinking of changing the juvenile age to age 25. In other words, those records would be sealed, you know, up until age 25. Are you kidding me? Crime is skyrocketing in beautiful cities like Memphis. Crime is skyrocketing in New York right now. There's been an increase year to date. 26% of crime in New York City. You just heard in Memphis, it is through the roof. And you've got DAs who right now are thinking of being soft on crime. This is outrageous. We're going to have more after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming out of North Charleston, South Carolina where Sergeant Jamel Foster was recognized with the department's life-saving award for his quick response in saving the lives of those in the community. Sergeant Jamel Foster saved a four-year-old boy. The young boy was not breathing, and Sergeant Jamel immediately gave chest compressions. The child regained consciousness, started breathing on his own again, and survived. Sergeant Jamel also saved a man who threatened to take his own life Earlier this year, upon engaging with the man, Foster and Sergeant Jamel, Officer Foster and also Sergeant Jamel, were able to calmly talk to him and convince him to put a knife down. An incredible story. And he says that at least these two lives were saved and he wishes he could do this every single day. Well, that is the great, great work of our law enforcement. And bravo to Sergeant Jamel Foster again of beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. Well, we have been talking about a case also in the South that has just been rocking the country. You just heard uh, from the great broadcaster Todd Starnes talking about what happened in Memphis. And this case just epitomizes the soft-on-crime DAs, this soft-on-criminals policy that's just affecting the country. And this heartbreaking story, now a body found in Memphis of that abducted teacher and a suspect now, thank goodness, back behind bars, but who never should have been out to begin with. 
Here is the Memphis police chief talking about the arrest of this guy, Cleotha Abston. Outcome of this investigation is not what we hoped for. We are nonetheless pleased to remove this dangerous predator off the streets of Memphis. So how much are these soft on crime policies contributing to the climate that is now happening clearly around America? We talked about in New York City, crime up, new numbers that just came out, increased by 26 percent compared to last year. And in Memphis, skyrocketing 400 murders, you heard from Todd Starnes. And they're thinking about increasing the juvenile crime age to 25. I still can't get over that. That is shocking because what that means is their records would be sealed. You wouldn't be able to find out about that information, usually a lesser punishment because it's a juvenile case. They'd go to juvenile hall. They'd get, you know, basically a slap on the wrist in some cases. And so what you're trying to tell me is that somebody who's 24 or, you know, 24 and 11 months, that they would still be considered a juvenile? Surprise, surprise. I do not think so. That to me is outrageous. And this just indicates these horrible crime policies that are happening around the country. And in this case of Eliza Fletcher, the 34-year-old woman who is jogging, now her body has been found. They also found her jogging clothes in a trash bag not that far away. Apparently, uh, the decomposing corpse, the smell of it is how they found it. Uh, Search dogs able to locate it in a field right by an empty house that, again, was about a mile from where this guy was seen washing his vehicle. Guy still not cooperating. And it's like this sort of like, you know, thinking they can just kind of get away with it over and over again. And I contend that this midterm election, guys, law and order must be on the ballot. You got to vote for people who are going to keep your communities safe, who are going to be tough on these criminals, because it's time that these guys who are getting an easy pass, that this no longer happens. It's outrageous. And you hear more about this story. This woman was beloved. I mean, you just heard the stories from Todd where she was singing to her kids and she was just everybody loved her. She worked at this Episcopal school. And was such a devoted teacher. She'd wake up early in the morning. She was going jogging super early in the morning. And this guy shows up, apparently, uh, according to surveillance video of the area, in a black GMC terrain, passes by her, then sort of scoping her out. And you'll even see it on the videotape. Then it looks like somebody takes her and forces her into the vehicle. And now uh, we're finding out that also near the abduction site, sandals, victim's phone, uh, DNA uh, on the shoes matches DNA from this guy also. So there's a lot of stuff that connects this guy. So why was he walking free? He clearly was a menace to society. And I am sick of these repeat offenders who's indigent, didn't have a lot of money. That's the good news because had he had money, he might have been able to post bail. Can you believe that? Somebody with this kind of a heinous, disgusting murder We don't know what else. You know, it sounds like it was just a torturous death. Uh, I mean, this is just a brutal, horrible case. And this guy, if he had posted $50,000 bond up until a few hours ago, he could have walked free. What the heck is wrong with our criminal justice system? I am so fed up and I'm so disgusted. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al in Yonkers on line four. Al, your thoughts about this? 
Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, I just wanted to say it's a terrible tragedy what took place in Memphis. Uh, this woman who was out for a jog, uh, who meant so much to so many people, was, you know, taken and abducted uh, from this uh, perpetrator. And I just wanted to point out statistics usually show, uh, usually with women, that if a person, uh, for example, tries to take you from a desolate street uh, and from point one and to take you and to put you, say, for instance, to point two into a trunk of their car, uh, the person, the woman, uh, should really fight and give it all, her all. Uh, at that point one, because usually uh, if that person is able to throw you into uh, their trunk, usually it would have a, a, a bad ending. So I just wanted to point out that's what statistics show, and it's, it's a terrible tragedy. You know, Al, that's a really important point, and it sounds like she did fight for her life, because even on the videotape, it shows a big fight trying to get her into the vehicle, because this guy well, was kind of casing her out, um, yes. and then it shows. You can see that it looks like there was a struggle to suddenly get her into the vehicle. Of course, it came out of nowhere. She's just jogging, um, innocently jogging, and suddenly um, thrown into this vehicle out of nowhere. It sounds like he was watching her because you see the vehicle like casing her for like 20, 25 minutes and then I comes upon, um, and, you know— now we're hearing that her jogging clothes were found in a bag nearby. It's just, it is it's it is so horrible and so sickening. Al, are you law enforcement? I'm not. I just, you know, from what I read and, you know, just from what I, I saw on people with uh, in regards to uh, acts of violence and what happens in situations like that. Yeah, 1,000%. Great advice, Al. Really, really important. It sounds like she did fight for her life. And sadly, he, it sounds like this guy... Uh, has now been accused of taking her life. And what a what a beautiful life it was. Um, Al, thank you very, very thank much. You. Thank you. Let's go to Norm. Uh, Norm, line five, your thoughts about the Memphis case. Yeah, hi, Rita. Um, yeah, the Memphis case. Uh, I Well, it's kind of freaking me out because my own cousin, she was my first cousin, she was murdered um, in 1981. Her father was a... Uh, Justice, actually the Tennessee, Tennessee, it's kind of crazy, Rita, Tennessee uh, Supreme Court Justice. Her father's name was Ben Cash. And, and anyway, I, I, I'm looking at the article now and it's kind of freaking me out that uh, it happened in late August. Uh, we don't really know when they, the article, the Miami Herald article they have in front of me is September 7th, but that's her body was found. Just like this woman, uh, I think her, she was found weeks out or a month out. I don't, I, I don't know the exact time period, but anyway, uh, it it's destroys the family, uh, and uh, it's um, I don't know. I mean, it's forty one years, and these things are still going on. Wow. And uh, Norm, I'm so I emotional listening to you because, you know, I know you've called before and we love you here on the show, Norm. And yeah. to know what um, what happened in your family. And, you know, as a journalist, I've covered many of these cases and talked to these family members. And like you said, it 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 never goes away and never no. goes away. What's your message about Norm, about these 
you know, the soft on crime and easy on criminal policies. You know, this guy served uh, 85% of a uh, prior kidnapping case. Yep. And he got Mm -hmm. out. He was supposed to get, I think it was like 24 years. He got, um, ended up getting the 20 years. And almost immediately, uh, the next thing we know, he abducts this woman. It's mm-hmm. it, it, what's your message to these? You know, there's a D.A. down there who's thinking about raising the juvenile age. I mean, in a height of a crime spree that's happening. I mean, it's happening all over the country. Well, I, I think, um, no, they should not raise the juvenile age. Number one. Number two, uh, life should be life. I mean, you know, I mean, if if some people are just there, there's no redemption for some people. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a, a death penalty advocate. Something like this challenges one's uh, opinion about whether there should be a death penalty or not. Uh, yeah, because by I, the I, way, by the way, when you hear this case, it's like it almost doesn't get any uglier. And, and you know, right. and who knows what happened prior to her death? It is just it is so heartbreaking. And it's it's every like family's worst nightmare. And you, unfortunately, yeah. You know, sadly lived it. Norm, we love you and we appreciate you. Love and you too, Rita. Thank you for calling in, too. And our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, too, Norm, too. Thank you very much. Let's go to Richard, line six. Richard, your thoughts about this and about crime. Good evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, first thing I would like to say is that uh, may God rest her soul. Yes. I, I feel that, that it's, it's such a tragedy and it, it could have been prevented. And to what I don't even understand is this person did this heinous crime, but yet they gave him a bill. Right, right. I, I can't wrap my, I cannot wrap my mind around that. Yeah, apparently there was some procedural thing in it, and then they finally added the first degree murder, but they didn't have all the charges in there, which so then it qualified him. It's like, what are you kidding me? Like when I saw that, fifty thousand dollars. You know, if he knew somebody that could have put up their house. Or put up, or you know, some crazy person could have done it. Thank, I say, thank goodness he was indigent in the fact that he didn't have the money and didn't seem to know anybody who had the money. But fifty thousand—that—that's what her life is worth. I mean, I was disgusted when I saw that. You know, I I, I think that everything, I think everything that's basically being done now is from far far left, and what it is, every day there's something new. So, you know, we're looking at this, we're looking at that, but I want to talk about the crime of the victims, okay? And she's a victim. Yes. She is a victim, and not only that she's a victim, her two sons are victims also, and that's such a tragedy. And then we have to look at what's going on around us. Here in New York City, uh, Mr. Zeldeman, I believe his name is? Zeldin, who's running for governor, yes. Right. He's running against um, uh, Crime Hochul, whatever her name is. Yes, Kathy Hochul. Yeah, okay. I I feel that he needs to to, to come up with some kind of bill when they do have this debate that he can throw it in her face. And this bill has to be done correctly about all the victims. They got beating up on senior citizens. They're robbing young women. They're stabbing them. They're raping them. They're doing all this crazy stuff in New York City. Why? Because of the woke system. Because the people in Albany, she doesn't care about you. She doesn't care about me. She doesn't care. What about the guy that got shot in the chest? He was going to a meeting. 
Okay, and they shot him in his chest. And what ha- about how about the sucker punch guy? Murdered. How about the Excuse sucker, me? the guy who sucker punched somebody the other day, and he would have been walking free based. I mean, you hit it on the head. There are so many um, examples of it, and that's why I say, and I, I feel like law and order is number one. I mean, obviously, we care about the economy and care about a lot of things going on, but if you do not feel safe in your community, where so many of us across this country. Do not um, and fear the revolving door process. And this case in Memphis epitomizes it. The cases you're talking about, too, also absolutely epitomize it. I think about the crazy guy, remember, on the New York subway, too, Richard. Remember that guy, like, had a rap sheet a mile long. Um, There's a woman also in a department store. Remember the one who was stabbed in L.A.? You looked at the homeless guy's record. It was like, how is he ever walking free? Some people are just vicious, disgusting, horrible people, and they should not see the light of day. And if you look at this guy's record, he clearly is one of them, the one in Memphis and many of the cases we're talking about. And these liberal judges, that's why it's so important. you got to vote for people who say no more that they're going to do something about the system and change the system. Richard, thank you very much. Let's go to Mark in North Carolina. Mark, your thoughts about this case. Yeah, hi. Good evening, Rita. Uh, you know, a lot of this is nationwide. It's it's not really unique to this, this Tennessee case, as shocking as it is. Uh, I had the same reaction you did when I heard this bond, because if this fellow, you know, had 50000 plus another 5000 bond premium, he could have been walking the streets again, which yep. is just shocking. But a lot of these uh, magistrates are in the magistrate system here in the South. I'm not sure about other states. Uh, here in North Carolina, for example, they're supervised by chief district court judge of their area. And a lot of their policies and a lot of the ways they approach giving bond, uh, whether or not the, uh, the judge requires them to perform gay marriages or not, a lot of these things go back to the office of that chief district court judge. So if you've got a very liberal uh, chief district court judge who says, oh, you need to look at this guy, you know, based on his assets, his socioeconomic status, instead of the, you know, the heinous nature of his crime, which is what they should be looking at, then this is the kind of result you can have. So I'm not sure who the chief district judge is in that area, but if I were a betting man, I would say it probably had something to do with that. Oh, thousand percent. And that they took that into account. You're right. That's what I thought, too. The first thing, like, are you kidding me? Like, why are we taking the consideration of somebody's economic state? If they committed a crime, they're a monster. You know, I mean, that's how I feel. Um, Mark, thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. We're going to continue with your calls about this case and these soft on crime judges and DAs across the country. 1-800-848-9222. I am outraged that this guy was out and I'm outraged that at first they had him on a $50,000, could have posted bond on $50,000. Are you kidding me? He was wanted in a brutal murder of a teacher in Memphis abducting, and it's not his first case. And a judge thinks, okay, $50,000, the guy could, thank goodness he couldn't find the 50000 But I agree with our last caller that indeed they probably were looking exactly at his financial situation. What about the situation of the victim? What about the rap sheet of the killer and the attacker? This, to me, is outrageous. We're going to continue after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And coming up in the next hour, we are going to talk about some new details of items that were seized in the Mar-a-Lago raid and more reaction. They are now going after the integrity of the judge that granted a special master. What a surprise. The Democrats are on the attack about that. Meantime, I am definitely not afraid to attack these DAs and also these judges and to verbally say to them, this is crazy. The fact that this guy was out roaming the streets and almost immediately abducts this woman and you look at his track record and he almost could have posted bond for $50,000. This is the case in Memphis. And now we find that the body has been discovered of this beloved teacher. Uh, Let's go to Max in line four. Go ahead, Max. Your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita. Um, I, I, I'm on my way to work now. I work overnight, and I still see women going into Central Park at 5 a.m. running. Why the false sense of security? We know where we live. We know who walks amongst us. Why put yourself at risk for that? Okay, so Max, I, I Max, Max, hang on. Two things. Um, first off, I agree that it's a dangerous time. I wouldn't go jogging in Central Park at 5 in the morning. But I also do not like the idea of sort of victim shaming, you know, because right now she was running. That was a typical pattern. She seemed to have no problem. And she was a teacher because she wanted to make sure she got her training in and her workout. She was a marathon runner, as we just heard from Todd Starnes. So to me, uh, you know, we shouldn't the fact that crime is so bad. I mean, if that's the case. You know, you'd never walk the streets in New York City if you looked at all the statistics. And if you look at all the statistics in Memphis, there'd never be a place to go. There were 400 murders in, in Memphis, we just heard. Sounds like no place is safe. Are you supposed to lock yourself up and cater to these criminals, Max? No, no, Rita, I'm not blaming her. But look where we are now. You can easily say, yeah, well, no, Max, actually, it, we- Max, I disagree. You are blaming her. Because you just said, no, why, well, you just said, why was she running at that hour? And so, you know, it's like, look at the, what, are you not supposed to go running because there's a potential that some sicko could get let out by a judge who's soft on crime? I mean, I agree. I, I hear what you're saying that that, you know, you got to be careful always. But, you know, it, it, crime is so bad. It could happen anytime, day or night. Don't you agree, Max? I absolutely agree, and I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying, look where we are now. You can easily say we could do what we want to do, but now you got a, you got two boys without a mother because you say we could go running in Central Park at four o'clock a.m. if we want to. I'm not. I'm not it's saying. Not I'm smart. not saying. I'm not saying yes, you, you want. I'm not saying you want to risk it, but I don't like the fact that you seem to be blaming her and saying, well, she shouldn't have been running at four thirty. She has a right to run whenever she does, but she has a right to be alive and she has a right to be free. And these judges don't have a right to necessarily take everything away from her and let this monster out and let him out on $50,000. That's where the focus should be, not her running habits. It should be his criminal habits. Uh, But, Max, thank you. I appreciate the call. I definitely don't agree with you. Not sure where you're going. 
Uh, but I think people should be able to run whenever they want to and not be attacked by brutal, disgusting, repeat offenders. Uh, to me, that's like shameful. Let's go to Bob. Line five. Yeah. Hi, Reader. A loyal listener. I listen every night and, and pretty much a uh, better part of the day. Um, what I don't hear many people talking about is, uh, first of all, I think it's absolutely horrific what happened, you know, not only to this woman, but in any kind of situations like this. But it really makes you wonder and think about what would bring someone to do something like this. Uh, this person spent 20 years in prison or whatever it was, and, you know, are they treated for this? You know, are they in any way attempted to be helped for any kind of obviously it's a severe mental thing? Clearly. And and, and you're right. And, and by the way, there are certain people and I said this, Bob, you know, I I would like to give everybody, you know, help and reform them. So because I think it's better for society, better for the individual. But there are certain people that shouldn't be out. And this guy sounds like he was like a walking billboard for crime. I mean, you look at his track record, he gets right out. He clearly didn't get reformed, but he shouldn't be out on the streets if he is a danger to people, as he clearly is. And so we got to get tough on them. We got to start thinking of how to throw away the key, lock them up, and make sure they don't see the light of day. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, very interesting. Hillary Clinton, in an interview with CBS that uh, just a little bit of a glimpse of it came out a little bit ago, was asked by Nora O'Donnell, the host of CBS Evening News, you know, will you run for president again? And she says, no, no, uh, I would not do that. But I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we have a president who respects our democracy and their rule of law and upholds our Constitution. She says that former President Trump would not fit into that category, and he should be soundly defeated if he runs again. So Hillary Clinton saying that she would not run for president again, that she will not, and that President Trump should be soundly defeated should he try to run for president again, that he is a threat basically to democracy, almost like what we've heard from Joe Biden. But I think that's really interesting because I have not counted out Hillary Clinton. And it sounds like tonight she is counting herself out. Who knows what happens? A lot of times politicians say that and then change their mind. Uh, But the big news is Hillary Clinton saying that she will not run for president again. So does that mean that Joe Biden is going to be a Joe Biden-Trump rematch versus a Trump Hillary Clinton rematch? What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, we've been talking about crime. Of course, this horrible case that took place in Memphis of this beloved teacher. Uh, terrible case also of revolving justice with a guy who got out early before the full term for his sentence on a prior kidnapping case. 
And of course, crime is skyrocketing across this country. And I contend that because crime is so bad and the border is so bad and economy inflation is so bad, all of these things, there's not a lot that Joe Biden can go around and say, hey, see what I did? Uh, What I did was uh, pull Americans out of Afghanistan, but left a lot of them behind. What I did was basically give a green light to Vladimir Putin to go in and invade Ukraine with the, you know, minor incursion comment. What I did was basically pull all, you know, oil exploration. And now we're in a dire situation. And I'm talking about windmills. What I did was basically keep adding money. And now we have horrible inflation. And I have soft on crime judges. And I've talked about criminal reform. And basically crime is through the roof. So there's not a lot to talk about. So that could explain why President Biden continues on his raging against MAGA Republicans tour, which continued even yesterday in Wisconsin, because he just wants to keep the focus, I think, on everything other than his own policies. And he keeps bashing MAGA Republicans and Trump every which way but loose, like this comment that he made a few hours ago last night. I've been able to work with mainstream Republicans my whole career. But the extreme MAGA Republicans in Congress have chosen to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. But together, we can and we must choose a different path. And then he said, guess what? That the MAGA Republicans basically don't care about democracy. This is why in this moment, those of you in this country... Democrats, Republicans, and mainstream Republicans and independents, we have to be stronger and more determined and more committed to saving American democracy than the MAGA Republicans and that guy off that door are destroying democracy. Because democracy is at stake. We've got to remember who we are. We're the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing we can't do if we do it together. And by the way, at one of his events in Philly, if you they pulled back, it was like 40 people who were at the crowd. I want to know who were the 40 that didn't fall asleep during his speech. I mean, compared to President Trump, that's like filling stadiums. No wonder he is making this a referendum on President Trump with the midterms now just, you know, two months away. Everything is Trump, 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 as opposed to Take a look at the policies of this president and his far left part of the party that in many ways killed the Keystone Pipeline. Keep adding money. Student loan debt erased, adding to inflation. I mean, there's just so many of these issues that right now are huge issues. And all he wants to talk about is Trump, Trump, Trump. It's actually an interesting strategy because if people start looking at what their policies are, It is not pretty. And here's a little bit more of what he had to say when he was uh, talking about MAGA Republicans. This is that Darth Vader speech that he did last week. America's often made the greatest progress coming out of some of our darkest moments, like you're hearing that bullhorn. I believe we can and must do that again. And we are. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. They spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. But I see a different America, an America with an unlimited future. And now they are also going after the judge 
In the Mar-a-Lago raid case, this is the judge, the district judge, Eileen Cannon, who made the decision of putting a special master in. Of course, they're not happy with that decision, and they wish that DOJ could just kind of do whatever it wants, take tons of documents, do whatever it wants. And in fact, we're just learning tonight, this is interesting, that about 1% of the documents seized actually had any sort of form of classification on it. There were about 11,000 documents that were taken. So about 100 of them had something that could be in question. And, of course, the president's arguing, the former president, that he declassified them. And she also said that there's a lot of questions that clearly President Biden, by waiving this executive privilege thing, opened the door to Trump being investigated. She said it in her decision. You know how the White House was like, oh, we didn't have anything to do with it. And we knew that President Biden had waived executive privilege to sort of create this cycle of events. Clearly, he had a lot to do with it. And the judge spotlighted that. And now we find out that, of course, they were searching Barron's room, search Melania's room. Isn't it amazing? 16-year-old Barron's room was raided and searched before anything tied to Hunter Biden. Think about that. Think about, isn't that wild after everything you have seen about Hunter Biden, more than you'd ever like to see of Hunter Biden? Believe me, we've seen those videotapes. And yet it's Barron's room that is being raided, not Hunter Biden. He's still like hanging out and going on Air Force One and going on these overseas trips and talking to China and everything else. It is astounding. But also, say, gotten in the siege, uh, a siege in the raid was a siege, but 500 documents that were covered by attorney-client privilege. And that, to me, is astounding. Not just like, oh, by accident, we got one or two documents. 500 documents that were attorney-client privilege that were taken. Also, medical and tax documents, as we talked about. So, sure sounds like they were on a fishing expedition. And so the judge called him out and said, you know what? Uh, you have to have a special master. We have to have an independent party take a look at this because there needs to be an unbiased person overseeing the entire thing. And so now what are they doing? Well, the Democrats are now going after, they're going after the judge. Take a listen. It's a joke ruling start to finish. It won't have any persuasive power in any other court, I suspect, because everyone knows how bad it is. I don't care what your politics are. This is just such atrocious legal reasoning. Um, you know, I said yesterday one of my first-year law students would have done a better job, and I think it's any of my first-year law students would have done a better job. It's that bad. Um, I do expect it to be used, including probably already today, by defendants across the country who say, hey, this search, this arrest is, you know, impairing my reputation. I want a special master. Um, you don't get them for those reasons. You get them for very limited reasons in the United States law. And not to be forgotten, Ellie Mistel, this guy is like left of the left. He makes AOC look like Ronald Reagan with his policies. This guy said that Trump judges, you just can't trust him. Because remember, Eileen Cannon was appointed by Trump. He doesn't have any problem with the guy who criticized Trump, who was the one who signed off on the raid. That guy's God. But she, he now has a huge problem with her because she's ruled on a special master, and he doesn't like it. This is a commentator, Ellie Mistel, on MSNBC. She's biased and corrupt. 
Like, I don't know what to tell everybody anymore. Like, I've, I've been saying this since he took office. When you allow Republicans to control the courts, you get nothing. Trump judges do not believe in the rule of law. They do not believe in precedent. They do not believe in facts. They do not believe in logic. They just believe in whatever is going to help Donald Trump. And they've proven it again and again and again. So when I say that you cannot trust Trump judges, I don't know what more evidence you need for that fact. Isn't that their Trump judges are corrupt, but anybody else, if they rule against Trump, well, then they're great guys. I mean, to me, this is unbelievable. And think again about the contrast. Barron's room has been raided and Hunter Biden's house has been untouched. I mean, what more do you need and what more epitomizes the double standard here? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Line two, Dom. Rita, first off, my heart goes out to the Memphis woman who brutally lost her life, what would have been a beautiful life of influencing many children's future. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. But, and Dom, by yeah. the way, you know, it, it is heartbreaking when you hear that it, case. And, and it's why you need people who respect law and order and respect victims' rights and put that first and foremost. And they don't, like, take pity. Oh, I feel sorry for this person. They've only had, you know, 80 arrests. What more do you need? And, and I'll bet you this Memphis DA, and maybe even Biden, was snorting on a generous serving of Parmesan cheese to suggest raising the juvenile age to 25 years, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. Isn't that, and oh. you know what's amazing, Dom, on the flip side, um, the Democrats are saying, oh, the Republicans don't care about law and order. Are you kidding me? I mean, is there anybody yeah. out there that actually has half a brain that thinks that that's correct, that it's the Republicans that are the problem with the legal system. Give me a break. Yeah, Rita, if I may say so, you are my nightly Parmesan cheese fix, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I I, I can't believe the FBI raided 16-year-old Baron Trump's room before they would even consider raiding Hunter Biden's bedroom because they already had that treasure, meaning his lap-dancing cup. Yeah, they, so, but but, you know, but but they have think about the contrast, like you just yeah. said, you know, between yeah. the drugs and the sex and the I mean, I'm and I'm not even talking about the quote big guy. I'm just talking about on the face of it. Hunter Biden has yet to really be investigated. They're just looking at him for tax issues right now. That's all we know yeah. so far. Um, yeah, and, and all the stuff he's like waving an illegal gun. I mean, you got all that. And yet Baron, sweet Baron, who's 16 years old has had his home, like his home, like apparently his room was ransacked by the FBI. You know, I mean, it's like, talk about double standards, Tom. Yeah, and I understand that the FBI should have sent in a taint team before the Mar-a-Lago raid. And the only reason they didn't send in the taint team was because they absolutely intended to taint the raid and hopefully the pass it on to the MAGA deplorables. You know, I am not a Republican or a Trump apologist, but a lover of the concept of MAGA. If you think there's something wrong with make America great again, you should not be in a position of power. Yeah, if you don't like hearing people brag about how great America is, uh, then you're in the wrong country. You know, I mean, you know, and, and I thought about it, Dom, too, at the Trump rally over the weekend. They were chanting USA, USA. What, do they not like that, too? I mean, 
I, I mean, it's it's like I feel like it's an alternate universe. Dom, thank you very much. You're terrific. Let's go to George. Line four. George, your thoughts. Hi, you really, you really, you got me through the summer driving Uber all summer long. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, my whole thing about this is ridiculous. I've had so many people in the car, and believe it or not, a lot of people who you wouldn't think would see this for what it is do see it for what it is. But then you have certain people who just claim they really bought it hook, line, and sinker. It's political theater to make him look like he's a criminal. And people have said that. I hear the conversations. Oh, they raided his house. He must be a criminal. He's got to go. I'm like, you just bought the biggest political theater that was ever done in American history. This is a president, a former president of the United States that was duly elected. They have been denying elections since 2000 Bush v. Gore. That's when it started. But you know what's interesting, George? If, and they won't if raid Hunter? Well, yeah, they won't raid Hunter, and they're okay to question the election. And, in fact, I'm going to go to a break, but after the break, George, um, I'm going to play a little clip because this exchange today was pretty wild. Uh, Peter Ducey was asking Corinne Jean-Pierre um, about her reaction. Um, like, well, you've come out in the past and you've tweeted – about uh, elections. And by the way, Hillary Clinton, who I was just talking about, this new news where she says she would never run for president again, she questioned the 2016 election. She said that President Trump was illegitimately elected, you know, that he's not a legitimate president. I mean, it's okay for them to say it, but God forbid anybody else. Um, George, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you got to hear this exchange when we come back with Peter Ducey asking the White House press secretary, you know what, your tweets question past elections, too. You should hear her. Uh, 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 uh. We're going to talk about that when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Collins and all of Genesis is ideal because I'm confused as heck when I hear President Biden saying that Republicans don't want basically law and order. They don't want democracy. Uh, Take a listen to this exchange. This is Peter Ducey today talking to Corinne Jean-Pierre. She's the White House press secretary. And in the midst of President Biden, where he should be talking about the border, he should be talking about crime, as we've been talking about, should be talking about a lot of things, inflation, the list goes on and on of major issues that are facing this country. He is spending his whole time swiping Trump and saying, well, Trump uh, embodies, you know, stolen elections. The Republicans, all they do are threaten democracy, threaten elections. Uh, Well, here's a little refresher, because guess what? Hillary Clinton questioned elections. Stacey Abrams questioned elections. Biden questioned the integrity of elections. And so here's Peter Ducey talking. This is cut eight of Peter Ducey talking with Corinne Jean-Pierre and asking her about some of the comments that she made. Follow up about the MAGA Republican attention. So if we're all in agreement that it is incorrect 
to say the 2020 election was stolen. What about the 2016 election? Look, I'm not going to go back to where we were or what happened in 2016. We're going to focus on the here and now. We're going to focus on what's happening today, uh, this inflection point that the president pointed out uh, very clearly, very decisively uh, in, in a few speeches about what the country needs to do at this time to bring the country together. And he believes that's where majority of Americans are when it comes to protecting our democracy, when it comes to protecting our rights, and when it comes to protecting our freedoms. That's what we're going to talk about. About, that's what we're going to focus on, on where we are at today. And here's a little bit more because he repeated some of the things that she has been tweeting herself. Take a listen. But just in trying to understand the new attention on the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016 oh, Trump coming. stole an election. I was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, here we go. You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results is extreme now, why was it? So let's let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have been I have been well. You're asking me you're asking me a question. Let me answer it. And you said ridiculous. I was I was talking. Uh, yeah, I was talking about uh, election integrity, and somehow that's different. What a bunch of hogwash. Um, real quick, let's go to BJ on line eight. BJ, we just have a few seconds, but I just want to get your reaction to the double standard. Well, this is part of the double speak we get from the Ministry of Truth. You know, uh, there's a crime is, uh, doesn't exist. The economy's growing. Uh, John Lovitz used to do the devil uh, when he was on Saturday Night Live. He had the red wall behind him and everything. He looks like he's been replaced with Joe Biden, uh, telling us up is down, in is out. Um, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. Red wave in November, Greta. Well, that's why it's so important to vote for those who will protect law and order and care about our families and not this gobbledygook. We're going to be back after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show when we get to honor our military and their families, a shout out to a heroic veteran in Carthage, Tennessee, where the life of veteran George Wolfe Sr. was celebrated with a surprise birthday party for his 94th birthday, also a presentation of a key to the city and a special U.S. Postal Service delivery of dozens of well wishes and in-person recognition by fellow retired U.S. Navy Master Chief Petty Officers. Uh, One of them, a woman named Donna Marine, who is retired, and she is from Virginia Beach, said of Wolf, he's an amazing man. I don't know him personally, but he is part of a social media group of retired Master Chiefs, and he is respected by everybody. He is our oldest member. By the way, a little background about George Wolf Sr. After his initial Navy training, Wolf was deployed to occupy Japan, and as General George MacArthur led the changeover of that country's government and economy, after Japan's defeat in World War II. He also served stateside. He was also in Asia, including deployments to Korea and also to Vietnam. And what an incredible life and how beautiful to see that he was honored 
with a key to the city on his 94th birthday. Well, everybody, I am so proud to be supporting the Tunnels to Towers 5K Walk Run in New York City again this year. It is taking place on Sunday, September 25th. And everybody, I need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11. Of course, the anniversary right around the corner as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps. And we're going to do that together. So it's very simple to support my team this year in the Tunnels to Towers 5K Walk Run. Here's what you do. You go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com, and donate to my team. I am trying to raise the most money here on the Red Apple Audio Network because all the proceeds go to the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. It's a great organization That does so much for our heroes. Thank you, everybody, for your support, because together we can make an enormous difference. So please take a look at walk.ritacosbyonline.com and donate today to help the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, especially as we are approaching yet another anniversary of 9-11. Well, before I bring in our next guest, Here's a hint, and this is a scene from the movie A Dangerous Method. Take a listen. Professor Freud, Dr. Jung, I've simply opened the door. It's for the young men like yourself to walk through it. Perhaps she's the one for your experimental treatment. Tell me about the first time you can remember being beaten by your father. It's exciting to me. Well, people know the great Sigmund Freud. They know who he is. They know he's the father of psychoanalysis, probably somebody who understands the human mind better than anybody. But you probably never heard of how Sigmund Freud miraculously and narrowly escaped Nazi-controlled Austria thanks to the help of an eclectic group of friends. And it's all revealed in a powerful new book by our next guest, who's an award-winning journalist, Andrew Nagorski. He spent three decades as an editor and as a writer all over the globe for Newsweek and is a tremendous journalist and tremendous author. And his new book that just came out is a blockbuster, Saving Freud, The Rescuers Who Brought him to freedom. Andrew, thanks so much for being here. Rita, my pleasure. Always great to talk to you. You too, and you and I go way back. We obviously have such a a deep devotion uh, to our beloved Poland with our roots, and you've written a lot about World War II and, and different aspects. This is fascinating. I never really knew the story, so I feel like I'm learning so much, and I know so many of our listeners around the country um, are going to be fascinated with this topic. What drew you? You spent a lot of time, I know, all over the globe and also in Vienna. But what drew you to this piece of history that I think few people really know about? Well, exactly what you're saying, that uh, you and I have, have, have a lot of personal history, a family history related to World War II, pre-war, pre-war Poland, uh, the rise of the Nazis and the implications of all that. So my previous books were usually set in that general area, 
But when I was thinking about a next book to write, I happened to reading, be reading a memoir of an Austrian Jewish writer who was very popular at the beginning of the 20th century. His name was Stefan Zweig. And he mentions briefly that he knew Freud in Vienna. And then in 1934, when Hitler takes power, had us already taken power in neighboring Germany, he realizes that it's time, that Zweig realizes it's time to get out. But, but then doesn't mention Freud again till 1938, after Hitler has taken over Austria, and Freud resurfaces as an old man in London. And, and, and he mentions that he just barely got out. And I'm saying, how did that happen? I mean, as you say, here's a guy who knew so much about human nature, who was so intuitive, and yet he almost failed to get out. And then I began exploring that whole story and discovered this incredible group of friends around him who pulled off what was an amazing operation to get him out and his family out. And I just became wrapped up in that story, and it just propelled me. I felt that it was... It was just so fascinating, and, and just, you know, Freud is such an iconic personality. You think you know everything about him, but I, I certainly didn't. I think most readers will discover that there'll be whole new aspects of Freud, his personality, and his personal story that they'll discover in this book. Absolutely, and, and so take us through this, Andrew, because he's, what, he's 81, right? And here he is. He's ill with cancer. And he doesn't believe, as many people didn't at that time, um, that, you know, that the Nazis would take over. So what, you know, it's amazing. Here's the most, probably one of the most brilliant men ever in history. And he's not reading the tea leaves. What, what do you think we learned from him? And tell us about this, some of the tea leaves that finally convinced him what it was uh, a Gestapo, right, called him in to called on him at his apartment? Well, it was all of that. It was well. First of all, you have to, as you mentioned, he was he was up there in age. He had he had uh, cancer of the jaw from his famous cigar smoking, which he refused to give up. And so he had thought, oh, I can live out the rest of my life in Vienna. And he was a man of great habit. He he really loved Vienna, the whole atmosphere of Vienna before it was taken over. It was a very multicultural, multilingual place, uh, and. And, and he had his set routines, but and he thought, well, Austria had its own form of fascism, but they were trying to keep the Nazis out. He thought maybe they'll succeed. Of course, that proved to be an illusion. And then suddenly, there, there, Hitler just declares, Austria is ours. It's being eliminated from the map. It's going to be part of my Third Reich. And, and German troops arrive in Vienna, and, they, and Hitler arrives and, and gives a speech literally just, just a, sh- a short walk away from Freud's apartment. And, and, and the place is going crazy. There are anti-Semites who are attacking Jews on the street. And even then, Freud is still hesitating and saying, well, maybe, maybe I can ride it out. But then the Gestapo, the, these Nazi thugs, come invade his apartment, invade the publishing house of, the, of, his, of his psychological press, and most importantly, they take away his youngest daughter, Anna, who is the one who is closest to him, who stuck with him, who was a psychologist herself, and the, and the Gestapo took her away, and he was terrified. And when she was finally released, he felt... He said, "There's no way we, I, my, you know, my Martha, my, his wife, and I, and he did not have long to live. Maybe, 
But Anna should have a long life ahead of her. And so for that reason, he finally realized he's got to get out. But by that time, many Jews could not get out. So the story of the book is how his friends mobilize and, and figure out a way to get him out. Very quickly, I don't want you to give away the whole book, but a little bit of a tease of just how difficult and how extraordinary it was uh, to get out the great Sigmund Freud um, right there, you know, as we're at the beginning of World War II. Yes, it's not quite yet at the beginning. It's, it's 38. The war would start a little bit over a year later, but Hitler's on the march. He's already... Yeah, he's already uh, expanding his empire, and he and he's getting ready for the war, and so they are. He suddenly, he, when he marches into Austria, he assigns these Nazi officials to the top Jewish families in Vienna, the ones who are considered rich and the ones that they can be extorted for, basically strip them of their wealth. And then it's unclear still. It's it's before the Holocaust. What will happen? Will they kill these people? Will they let them go? And and it's at this point that, first of all, when they come in, Martha Freud, his wife, says to has the presence of mind to say to the to the to the thugs coming in. He said, "Oh, won't the gentleman come in? Won't you put your guns in the umbrella stand? And oh, by the way, here we have some money. Won't you help yourselves?" So it's 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 this improvised horror that's going on. And, and, it, and it takes these friends, including someone like Marie Bonaparte, who was this remarkable woman whose great, great, who's great uncle was Napoleon Bonaparte. And she was, uh, she was also, she had married into the Greek and a royal family and had a lot of money to help raise the money to essentially pay the bribes that the, that the Germans demanded. And then and then there was a question of how, where do they go? Where do the Freuds go? Because at the, by this point, already many, many countries did not want to accept Jews fleeing from, from the Nazis. Yeah, it's stunning uh, time because, as you point out, it's sort of the buildup to it, um, which, of course, you know, we know all too well what happened soon after that. Take us to modern times, too, because I think there's a really powerful message. And everybody, we're talking to the award-winning journalist, Andrew Nagorski, who has another amazing book out. What a fascinating story about Sigmund Freud escaping narrowly from his home of Nazi-controlled Austria, uh, living out his final days in London, finally in freedom. And that's why the book is called Saving Freud, The Rescuers Who Brought Him to Freedom. I think about now what's happening with Ukraine and Russia um, what's sort of the modern-day message? Because there's a lot of it in there. I think, you know, it's it's always hard to draw direct parallels, but I, but I think one of the messages is that when an extremist leader, someone like Hitler, and I would now, and I, and I think Putin has proven this too, that he begins talking about empire, about conquest, about, you know, Hitler said that, Austria is not at all in a state. It's just a province of Germany. He determined to make it that. He, he said uh, Czechoslovakia was not really a state, and he took the Sudetenland. And just like Putin for a long time has been saying, Ukraine, oh, it's not really a country. This was all the Russian Empire. And a lot of people said, oh, that's just rhetoric. Well, you better treat the rhetoric of people like that seriously, and because if if you don't, 
they're li- liable to act on it and surprise you and better be prepared. And then you've got to push back with every, all the strength you have and have the courage to stand up for your convictions. Because if you think you can just say, oh, let them take a little bit and then uh, they'll be satisfied. No, it never happens that way. They're like classic bullies. They'll keep pushing until they're stopped. One thousand percent. And, you know, sometimes it's insidious. You know, sometimes it's not even as obvious to the most brilliant people in the world, uh, like Sigmund Freud, you know. Yeah, Freud, I came to really find him to be a a very, yeah, his image is a very stern and 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 almost off-putting person when i i came i felt i came to know him through all the documents letters i read he was very human he had a sense a very sardonic sense of humor he but he was human and he also had human fallibilities and like all of us i think when we're faced with situations that almost defy belief we want to think, oh, this really won't change. We don't really have to change our lives. But there are moments when we all have to change our lives and realize that the world around us has changed. And that's the toughest moment, I think, in anyone's lifetime. Wow, what a powerful book, everybody. It is called Saving Freud, The Rescuers Who Brought Him to Freedom. Uh, it is, it's like a spy novel, I think. It reads so amazing. It's riveting. It's fascinating. And it shares a really, I think, little-known part of history of this incredible man, Sigmund Freud, who we know so much about, but we don't know a lot about that moment. And it is so timely. And Andrew Nagorski, great to have you on. I want to make sure everybody also, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's everywhere. You can also go to andrewnagorski.com to get the book. And it could not be more timely and more pertinent, I think, to what's happening today. Andrew, congratulations, and thank you for sharing this amazing story with all of us. Thank you so much, Rita. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Biden and crime in America. That is skyrocketing. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking, sadly, about crime in America. At the beginning of the show, we were talking about this horrible case out of Memphis where a beloved teacher, sadly, they have found the body of Eliza Fletcher And turns out uh, the person accused of it is a repeat offender who got out early. And this is just indicative of these soft on crime policies that I think are destroying America. So many great American cities, including Memphis. And just heartbreaking when you hear the details of this case, discovering her body after she was abducted while she was running early in the morning on Friday. Let's go to Eleanor in Memphis. Eleanor, you're here on the show. I am. Thanks, Rita, for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I understand that you know um, you know Eliza. Uh, Liza is how we call her. Um, yes, up in a nurse, and she was a she was a baby. Um, I'm about four years older than her. And what I'll say about this is what 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 prompted me to call in is that somebody on the show earlier said something about runners shouldn't be running at that time of day and all this stuff, but. You know, really, in all honesty, she was running 
on a street that it was right in the middle of the University of Memphis. Um, yes, it was 4.30 in the morning, but there were cameras and lights and all things around her. She was doing nothing wrong. She was. She's a teacher. She's a mother. She has to get things done, you know, at a certain time, and she was doing that. Um, um, and by the way, I, I hope you heard too, uh, because I took that caller to task. I mean, I found oh, it. I, 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 I thought it was it. outrageous. I, <laughs> I believe me, I was like ready, ready to ring him and like tear him apart. I couldn't believe when he said that. I thought that was one of the most outrageous statements. Um, because people should feel safe whatever hour. And like you said, she was a teacher. She had to get up early because she was helping her kids and, um, you know, and obviously be loved. Yes, very much loved. I mean, Liza was a bright light in everybody's life, but also I want to also bring up something else. This perpetrator, this villain, he was also um, arrested 20-something years ago, his, and, and he had abducted a guy named Kemper Durand. Did you see that? Yeah, the attorney, right? Right, yes. Who also, um, so all of us was the same church. Kemper, her family, his, uh, her grandfather, who's been noted as this, like, you know, big philanthropic, you know, rich person in Memphis, it is very weird to me how it's all maybe this guy is just like crazily linked to all this but like it's so strange because Kemper was another person like her family it's, it's like how would he just target the same kind of people it's, it's almost weird to me it's strange that's interesting so do you believe that maybe he it wasn't totally random that maybe there I mean we know he was casing out the area and then abducted her. But do we know, do you think maybe there was more to the story in terms of him following her before this? You know, you, one was like me who lives in Memphis where honestly, I'm like her. Um, I saw on uh, Tucker Carlson earlier today, like he was saying this, like, you know, she's a person who lived in Nashville briefly and came back to Memphis and lived in Memphis, Memphis. I live in Memphis, Memphis. People that live in Memphis, like we're Memphis, Memphis people, <laughs> and Memphis is not the most terrible place you ever heard of. Like, like people want to say it is. There, I mean, Memphis is a great place. It is wonderful, and there, the, where she was was not a terrible part of Memphis. Where she was was just part of Memphis. I mean, yeah. it's a part of anywhere. Like you, you were saying, like Central Park. I mean, you could be anywhere. Like, like Chandra Levy. Like, <laughs> I mean. She was in Rock Creek. I mean, it's just like you never – I mean, that's just – we were – she was just doing a safe, like, normal morning routine thinking she would be like – and if anything ever happened, like, something – would, you know, she would never, ever have done anything harmful to herself knowingly. Oh, no. And and, and by the way, before I let you go, because um, you knew Liza, tell us a little bit about who she was. I've just heard oh, so gosh. many great stories of how beloved and how much oh, she, she loved her kids. She was the best. And I'm also the mother of two small children, two small boys. They just happen to be staggered in ages. Mine are a little bit younger. Um, hers, oh gosh, I mean, she was just the best mother. She was also this, she grew up in this very, very, very wealthy home, but she was not showy. You would never know it. She she, she didn't present herself that way. Um she she like loved the Lord. She she wanted to to pray with you. She wanted to love on you. Um, if you were hurting, she was hurting. She was just one of those people that truly, when you hear about something like this happening, you're like, why her and not somebody else? Like in her family, <laughs> it was not like that the same person. I mean, she was just. 
that kind of person her she was the person in her family that that beat to a different drum and she was just she loved she loved everyone and and she if she was still here we were hoping you know praying that she would survive and that she would just she if she had survived us she would have been trying to do everything to prevent this from happening in the future we just know that yeah no question you know when you when you hear um, you know, she just sounds like someone who dedicated her life to helping kids, was such an incredible person, and certainly beloved. And what a huge loss this is, um, you know, to obviously her family, um, but also uh, it sounds like to Memphis and to the country. Just sounds like such a great soul. Eleanor, and thank two, you. And her two boys. And her two boys, of course. We are going to be praying. How old are her two boys about? They're first grade and um, junior kindergarten. Yes, uh, it's very, very sad. We're going to keep them in our prayers. Wow. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you, um, thank you for shining a light Absolutely. and sharing her with all of us and telling and, more and about please, who this incredible keep, keep woman was. Because she's such a, she was a great person. And I will. It's not about her being a white female, you know? Absolutely. Thank you for calling. Thank you. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.